Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I am so glad to be bringing you my guest today, Jocelyn Morin Nurse. I met Jocelyn through Forbes Business Council. She writes for them. She also leads one of their uh, networking groups. And once I learned about her, I knew I had to have her on the show. She is the CEO of a company called Corgi Bytes. It's a software company that helps modernize old code. And her true passion lies in leadership development and leadership training. So uh, in addition to running Corgi Bytes, she also uh, is the CEO and founder of Loxentis, which is a leadership and team training company. And they develop courses and training that helps leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs attract and retain talent and develop themselves as leaders so that they create great companies to work for. I love her leadership philosophy. She reminds me so much of myself. We have so much fun talking about it. We could have gone on for hours and hours, but I didn't want to bore you with that. So we stopped at about 45 minutes. Uh, and you're just going to be so inspired by her thought process, her leadership philosophy, and her stories. So hang tight and I'll be right back with Jocelyn. All right, everyone. I am back with Jocelyn Morin Nurse. Jocelyn, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. I'm so excited to be talking about leadership with you. This is going to be great. Uh, I know. My favorite topic, and I know yours yes, too. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I described who you are a little bit in the pre-show, but um, I want to hear in your own words. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I do a couple of things. Uh, actually, I do many things, but I'm only going to speak about a couple. So I'm the CEO of a software company uh, that's called Corgi Bytes. And I am also the CEO of my own company where I do some leadership training. And uh, I'm involved in all kinds of stuff. And I love talking about leadership, super passionate about it. And uh, that's pretty much what I do. So uh, that sounds familiar because I, I get asked this question all the time. So now I'm going to ask you. Like, how do you do all of these different things? Like, how do you run a company and how do you have, you know, a leadership development uh, company as well? How does, how does all that work for you? Well, let's start with, I work a lot, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm very busy, um, but um, really it's just being extremely organized. I have also great teams. So I have a team, obviously at Corgi Bytes, and I have a team uh, for Lexentis. And it's a lot of great communication with the team, staying on top of the tasks, having boards, uh, knowing what's going on, keep, keeping a pulse on things. And something that's super, super important that sounds counterintuitive, taking good care of myself. So for instance, I make sure I work out. And if I don't work out, I go for a walk outside. I make sure I eat well, I make sure that I sleep and uh, drink lots of water, <laughs> but uh, it's so crucial, especially on those days where I'm so, so busy. I'm like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to work out. Then those are the days where I need to pause, go for a workout, go for on spin bike, go do a yoga, do something that'll take your mind off of work and just let your body release that stress. Yeah, I agree. My motto is uh, self-care is a discipline, not a luxury. It's and true. it's a non-negotiable. Non and, um, and I think a lot of people think like, well, like, that's just yet one more thing that you have to cram into your day. But you can't, I literally cannot function if I don't nope. exercise and move my body. And so it really is to me a performance enhancer rather than a detractor because I have to fit something else into my day. So I hear you. Good for yeah. you. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because if we don't, then all that stressful energy stays in the body and then our minds get really tired. And then we're yeah. uh, prone to um, decision fatigue. Yes. And that's bad. We need to be decisive as leaders. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about Loxentis and, and leadership, but maybe let's just give us a little bit of a context about your software company. So, you know, what is, what's the premise behind what you do? At the software company? Yeah, yeah at the software company. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm CEO there. So uh, I'm not the owner of that company. Uh, it's kind of a, an interesting story how I became CEO yeah, of that company because I wasn't planning on becoming an executive. So it's kind of neat in the sense that I would say that how it all started really was when I left my public service job. So uh, my husband and I sold most of our possessions. We just kept the teeny tiny storage unit with like irreplaceables. And then we went and we uh, sailed. Uh, we're cruising on a sailboat for a year. Then we changed and lived on a motorhome for four years. And during that time, I was writing uh, to earn money. And then I was taking positions of convenience. And then after this five years of nomadic lifestyle, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll become fixed address living people again. And uh, part of, of something that I think is kind of neat is a lot of people had been so concerned about this. They're like, these are your prime earning years. What are you doing? You're walking away from this big, important job and you could, you know, become director and whatever. It's like, and they're just walking away to go sailing. So, so we did that for five years. And it just gave me so much perspective on life and myself. And then uh, I was just going to go grow my writing business. And uh, I saw this opportunity to be an executive assistant, essentially, at this software company. And so I did that because for me, being organized comes easily. So I thought, oh, that would be something easy for me to do while I grow my writing business. And then I started working with them. And they're such wonderful people. And there was this opportunity for me to help and I love to help. And that's just kind of in my DNA. I can't help it. I, I just, I, I need to help. I need to offer advice if I can, if I have it, if I, I can do something to improve, I, I will be there. I work very hard at whatever I do. And then I became their director of accounts and content. And then through doing and seeing results. And then uh, they offered me the COO position. And then I was uh, responsible for financials and improving operations and that kind of stuff. And then at one point, they offered me the CEO position. And that's what I'm doing now. So it's kind of funny because people who knew me from way back then, you know, when I was like pursuing acting or pursuing screenwriting, and I tell them, oh, yeah, I'm the CEO of a software company and I also run my own company where I, I do uh, team training. There's this blank stare going, <laughs> what? <laughs> But it was just through a genuine desire to help and a genuine desire to have impact and having this impact, seeing the impact on the team and, and just improving and you're growing the company. It was just such an amazing experience. And yeah, so that's how it happened. I love it. What a great story. Oh, that's so cool to to climb the ladder like that. Mine is not quite um, as dramatic as, as an executive assistant to CEO, but I was 28. I just moved uh -huh. to Durango, which is a, you know, a rural town in Western slope of Colorado. And, okay. and I grew up on the Western slope of Colorado, but I had left Austin, Texas and, and Stone Age, the company I run now is looking mm -hmm. for a general manager, but I had no 
no qualification. Well, I would just say mm-hmm. no qualifications. I had some experience, yeah. but you know, can't run a company and yeah. they hired me to, to, wow. to take over. Yeah. So I started as operations manager, director of operations, general manager, CEO in about a three year time span as well. Wow. So yeah. So anyway, similar That's story, amazing. but right? Exactly the results. And I, I don't know about you, but for myself, it was just, I was so determined to, su- to yeah. succeed, succeed in the sense doing a good job. Right. And so I was just like reading everything I could like yeah. books, you know, attending yeah. seminars, just talking to experts in their fields, like senior accountant. Okay. I don't understand this financial statement. Let's explain this to me. So I was just so determined to, to do a good job that I was just grabbing knowledge wherever I could. Is that, was that similar for you? So similar. Absolutely. Mentors. I joined YPO, Young Presidents Organization, uh, so that I could, you know, to, to learn from peers and, and to just surround myself with, with people who are knowledgeable, more knowledgeable than me, built a board of directors that I learned from. So it was like, read, (laughs) you know, experience, learn, like, you know, I I just wanted to be an a successful executive as quickly as I could. And yeah. I made so many mistakes and screwed so many things up, but, um, but I'm really grateful for all of that too, because yeah, you know, it's how you learn. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now how, so great. You're CEO of a software company and now tell us about Luxentis. Like how did that come to be? How did, how did you birth that idea? That's very interesting. So it actually started because I, um, so while I was, I was learning all these things and actually doing and seeing the impact of certain strategies and, and implementing those, um, I saw somebody who had a very, very big, massive following and was giving the most terrible advice. And when I looked into it, this person had no experience and wasn't even learning from people who knew. So it's not like, oh, well, I spoke to these people, they know, and therefore I'm passing this knowledge. Like they were just pretty much making it up. And they started giving such bad advice that I was like, this would sink a company. And I was like, I have, I have to share what I've learned. I have to start teaching people what I know. And I just have this idea also. So for me, and we've talked a little bit about it, uh, prior about uh, people-centric organizations. And so mm-hmm. people matter, right? And so in trying to grow an organization, it was important for me to also pass on that message that it wasn't just let's teach someone how to recruit or let's teach someone how to do one-on-ones, but it's let's teach them how to do it in a way that will create people-centric organizations, in a way that will attract and retain top talent. And I'm saying top talent, quote unquote, because let's face it, top talent varies from one organization to the next, right? So uh, the ideal candidate for one organization is not the same for the other. So it's to create something that is um, tailored to your own organization so that people can be successful there. And so I I just became very passionate about passing along those lessons learned, but also infusing it with this idea that People are important and it's not mutually exclusive. It's not, well, if I'm profitable, I can't, you know, offer this to my team members. Like, no, no, you can do both. Yep. Totally agree. I, uh, you're speaking my language, sister. Uh, so, okay. So that was your idea. And so then how did you start the company and what exactly, you know, tell us about your leadership training. What do you do? 
Yeah. So, uh, well, I, I teach recruiting. I created a, a, an online recruiting course. I teach one-on-ones. I teach operational improvements. And uh, at the beginning of this whole thing, uh, a friend and I collaborated to create a course that was on uh, leading a remote team because the software company is actually fully remote. And so for us, it was okay. You know, we've been remote the whole time. So now we're just continuing to be remote, but we realized a lot of people weren't. So we kind of had done that too. And so, yeah, it's just teaching and teaching leaders how to work with team members, how to improve themselves as leaders, because we need to improve ourselves to be better leaders for our team members as well. Yeah. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because I, of course, I don't have a training company and and that's not what I plan to do, but I, I speak on leadership. Um, I write on leadership, right? I mean, we met through Forbes and I do a lot on social media, building a, a brand really around, around this whole idea that we need to be more effective leaders to, to change yeah. the, the world, to solve some of the big world's biggest problems. Absolutely. And people always ask me like, why are you doing this? Right. Don't you have enough to do running your companies? And well, of course, yes, but, yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's this need that is out there and I see it because I see it with leaders who work with, within stone age with, you know, boards that I'm on and, and, yeah. and, and, and community members. It's like, there's just, it's so confusing and there's so much information that's out there and it's hard to relate when people don't tell stories and like give like mm -hmm. these real experiences, these raw ex experiences about how you can really screw leadership up because that's how you learn. Yep. Right. And so Absolutely. anyway, so I, I share your passion and really appreciate that you've said, Hey, I can be a CEO and grow a company. Yeah. <laughs> and I can also pursue this passion of being helpful and impactful uh, yeah. by developing other leaders. Um, mm -hmm. because like, I, I get a lot of people like questioning me, like, you know, what, what are you really? doing? Or do you have time for this? <laughs> like, you know, wow. Um, and yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and so anyway, it's nice to meet like a, a kindred soul who, yeah, yeah absolutely. Know, the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, it, it, were you also somehow inspired by Robert Greenleaf's work on servant leadership? I would say that my, that the way that I have developed it really came before reading his work okay. yeah. uh, and, and, and all of that. I just always knew that I was supposed to help and I really am curious yeah. and care about people. And yeah. so I ask good questions and I dive in. And so yeah. that's what really helped me see like, oh, you can make this impact. And then later on, once, um, you know, I read, uh, read servant leadership and really began to understand that whole model. It was like, oh yes, this is, this is how I am. And here's how I can do, yep. uh, how I can be more impactful that way. Yeah. But it was, yeah. I, it was something that always just came naturally to me. Yeah. Very similarly. Um, I always had this idea that a leader should be present. I, I was just reminded of this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. There's this little cartoon going around. So you have, it, leader versus boss. And so uh, there's one, it's a, it's a big block and the team is pulling the block and then it says leader. And then the leader's at the front of the team. And then you've got the boss and then yeah. the, the boss is sitting on the block and the yeah. team is pulling the, the block and the leaders, the, the boss sitting on the block. And so I've, that, that really spoke to me in the sense that for me, I've always thought the leader is there, is, is there with the team in the thick of things going, all right, team, we're here. That whole um, role modeling was very yeah. important that it's, it, the, you know, just um, 
do as I say, don't do as I do. Yeah, good luck with that. That is yeah. not going to retain top talent. That is not, no. So it's, you have to be there and do as a leader and have that responsibility. And I've always had that, that concept that a leader should be fair because sometimes we have to make some tough decisions. I mean, we can't just always be, yes, be nice, be kind. If team members aren't keeping their part of that contract, right? That contract is as a leader, I will provide you with awesome working conditions. I will support you. I will provide you with the great tools. And in return, you're going to be productive and you're going to, you know, improve the business and you're going to, you know, deliver outstanding service to our clients and that kind of stuff. So if the client, the team leader is not respecting that, then we have to get tough sometimes, but we're fair and at the same time benevolent, which is yep. kind of the, the concept. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I always tell my team, you know, it takes all of us, right? Culture mm -hmm. is not me. Yes. Culture is collectively yes. all of us. And, and yes, well, the buck stops with me and, and I certainly set the tone. And I think that the company definitely has my personality, which is very driven, very fun, yeah. very, yeah. um, yeah. uh, uh, positive. Um, it still takes you to show up that way too. Yes. So if you say, yes. I don't like this culture, you know, it's easy to point the finger at the leader. And a lot mm -hmm. of times it does, but mm -hmm. I, you always have to say, how am I showing up in either Yes. improving the culture or taking away from it. And it's such a two-way street. And, and I, I personally think that, that, that responsibility is empowering, right? I mean, I've worked yes. for crappy companies and I've had crappy bosses and they are as much role models for me, you know, of what not yes. to be. <laughs> but not to um, do. Exactly. But I always had that accountability of like, well, how am I still showing up? Because I'm still yes. responsible for me and I'm still responsible mm -hmm. for my mindset and what mm -hmm. I out my output. And yeah. so I try to help people see this, like you can control your experience so much more, even if it isn't a great culture than you do yeah. by just saying, mm, nope, like I'm going to contribute to it being a bad place to work too. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes it requires a lot of effort showing up yeah. in that positive way while being authentic because yeah. we don't want to create that toxic positivity, right? That no, nope, everything's fine. Everything's always great here. Ha ha. You know? So at the same time, we don't want to show up because I'm sure you've got those days too. There's some days where it's like, you know what? I'm tired and I don't want to talk to anyone and I just want to be grumpy. And it's like, well, I can't because I have a whole team that depends on my energy. But also, I don't want to show up, la, 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 everything is fine. The world is all rosy. It's like, no, there's some tough things. And yeah, I'm not having the best day, but I'm not going to bring that brooding negative energy to the team. Yep. No, there's that yep. responsibility. I agree. And I think role modeling like that is so important because you're right. Everybody's going to have bad days. And, mm -hmm. and as a leader, when you say, Hey, I'm having a bad day and I'm struggling, I'm going to show up as my best self, but mm -hmm. I want you to know that I'm struggling. And then yes. you do the work, you know, and you show yep. up and you engage, even if you're not your yep. high energy self, you're showing people like, Hey, it's okay to say I'm not yes. doing great, but you still model that, you know, you can yes. put your best foot forward rather than mm -hmm. just meltdown. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess it comes back, as you just said, that role modeling, that continuous role modeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've learned the hard way too. I mean, I've definitely not handled um, so all, all situations. Well, in fact, like my, my motto has been for the last many years, really cool, calm and collected because I can be very passionate 
And that can come across as aggressive, as I've been oh, told, or okay. emotional, right? Right. Oh. A lot of things that, that passionate, you know, women are called. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I realized, <laughs> I realized that that in some instances, it was taking away from the conversation or taking away mm -hmm. from the situation rather than infusing energy into it. And so, yes. you know, everything is just so much easier when a leader is cool, calm, and collected. Like there's a time yes. where maybe you need to like amplify yourself a little bit. For the most part, people respond yeah. better when you're just like, all right, let's just talk about this. Um, Absolutely. But you had to learn all of that as a young, as a young leader. How about you? Yes, that, that, absolutely. And I think that is one of the most important things to learn as a, as a, as a leader, uh, how to self-regulate and to know what our triggers are. Because as we grow and learn ourselves, um, we learn more about what triggers us and what past experiences we bring in and kind of filters we bring in. And, and in learning that about ourselves, we also learn that about our team members. And so because our, our team members also bring in their own past experiences and triggers, and it's trying to negotiate that and figure out, okay, what belongs in the here and now, the reaction that's happening right now? Is this, is this really because of something I did? Or is it, no, that really belongs to a past experience? And that's something that's hard to navigate. And, and it's only in learning more about ourselves that we can learn how to do that for our team members or with our team members. Yeah. I, I'm so with you. I, I, we, we, we lead the, the very same way. Uh, so how do you advise your clients? So if you're working with leadership, doing leadership training, I mean, do you bring this into what you do? And how do you Absolutely. help leaders develop that self-awareness to say, oh, yeah, this is this is a trigger for me. And I understand where that trigger comes from. Yeah, I, I, I talk a lot about my own experiences and how I am as a leader. And, you know, the way you're talking, like right now, who I am is who I am as a leader. Like, right. it's important to be authentic and like authentic and I'm going to say curated authentic, because like, just to talk a little bit like what we said before, right? We want to regulate our emotions and show up as our best selves, but still be authentically ourselves. And that's actually something that I learned a long time ago. It was uh, when I was a translation intern. And uh, I, we had this director who was just like silly, fun, joked all the time, listened to music, dancing down the, the hallway, you know, just, just silly, silly person, lots of fun. And his work was exceptional. The quality of the work that he's produced, like outstanding. And that person told me, like, long, long, long time ago, uh, he said to me, it's always important to take your work seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. And that so stayed with me. And it showed me that I can be, because I'm just naturally a person who likes to laugh. I'm naturally a person who likes to be, you know, pleasant and let's joke around and let's, you know, make, yes, we're working hard, but it doesn't have to be painful. And at the same time, the quality of the work matters. <laughs> so it's, just bringing that authenticity and leadership. And that's kind of what I, I tell people that there, there might be this idea because you mentioned something about women earlier, but uh, there might be this idea that bringing a little bit more softness, a little bit more feminine energy. Oh, that's a weakness. No, you have to show up. If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be a CEO, you have to be, you know, tough and you have to be, and speak with a big voice and not smile a lot and, you know, have a lot of 
PowerPoint presentations. I don't know. Um, but no, <laughs> you don't have to be that person. You can be an effective leader, an effective CEO and being yourself. And if you're not yourself, I would say the team is going to pick up on something and they're not going to trust you because they, they won't know what necessarily, but they're like, I don't know, there's something here that's not jiving and it's going to be hard to gain that trust. Yeah, so I just agree. Just kind of teach you. to be ourselves, and then just be authentic. Like be authentic, and then just be undeniably awesome in what you do. Like just put yep. in the work, but be yourself. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and I think um, you know that whole idea of of understanding yourself also comes along with the idea of understanding the emotional impact that you have on others. Yes. And I think like that was the big thing for me is you know I I show up I I can't not be myself. I literally can't not be myself. It's <laughs> it, it's impossible for me not to be. <laughs> But, but I can, like you say, you know, I can regulate my emotions. I can regulate mm -hmm. my responses and I can understand the emotional impact that I have on people. Yeah. And I think that especially young leaders and, and, and some yes. experience who haven't developed that self-awareness or who've gone deep into that self-exploration don't necessarily understand, or maybe even care about the emotional impact that they have on people and yeah. your employees are watching everything you do. They're watching Absolutely. your facial expressions. They're trying to read between the lines and pick up on any kind of hints of like, are you upset or this, what, yeah. this or that? Yeah. And so I think as I've matured as a leader, leader, mm -hmm. I think understanding that emotional impact has been really valuable for me because yeah. I want to be authentic. I want to be myself, but I want to be mm -hmm. effective. And to yes. be an effective leader, you've got to meet people where they're at. And if you overwhelm yes. them with your positivity or your, yeah. <laughs> you know, upset or your passion or whatever it is yeah. that's coming out, then you're not going to be effective. And so yep. I think like the melding of those two things has been, at least for me, a really powerful experience. Absolutely. And it's learning to channel that passion into healthy conflict. That was a really hard one for me because it was like, oh, conflict. Ah! conflict, conflict's back. But no, there can be healthy conflict. And so we, we joke a lot about how we have some passionate discussions about a topic, but we, we were always aware first that we essentially on the same side, you know, we want what's best for the organization. We want to find the best solution, you know, quote unquote best. And so it's like, okay, I feel this way. You feel that way. We're complete opposites. Is there a third option that we're not seeing right now, that if we both recognize that we're on the same side, let's lean into the conflict. Let's keep talking about it in a respectful way. And let's see what comes out. And the more at the, at the beginning, oh, so hard, so hard, like sweating, finding it difficult, oh, leaning to conflict. But the more I did it, the more I recognized like, it's okay. We're just gonna come together. We're gonna keep talking. We keep moving forward together, leaning into it. And the outcome, for the most part, has been very positive. So it's kind of reinforcing that it's okay. Like conflict's not always bad. Yep. No, I'm with you. And it's interesting. I, I think that the very best leaders know how to lean into that conflict. Like that's that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're we're all have our own thoughts, our experiences that that shape our viewpoints. And yeah. we need to be able to discuss those things. One of the things that I do with my team, and I feel like after a lot of development, we've gotten to a really good place. And that is the expectation of working through conflict, especially without ah. me involved with it. And so yeah. we have, we have team operating principles. And one of those are, is that, you know, you resolve conflict 
um, amongst your peers without triangulating mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and seeing both sides and come up with a, a, you know, an outcome that everybody can live with. And you go okay. through the pros and you go through the cons of each of these. And I set the expectations with my team. Like you are not going to be successful here if you cannot resolve conflict with your, with your peers. And so then I've been teaching people how to do it, modeling okay. how to do it, you know, certainly mm -hmm. stepping in when I need to. But now after, you know, many years of, of my team working together, it is amazing to watch them work through conflict. And, uh, and I'm so proud of it because they should be like, they're all coming from different viewpoints. There's always natural yeah. tension between sales Absolutely. and engineering, sales and ops, ops and engineering, marketing and sales. And, and that tension can be really healthy if you know how to effectively deal with conflict. So I've had set some really good expectations, boundaries, and training around how to deal with it. And it's made a huge difference. That's what I was going to ask you, because if you have a new team member who is not used to, to coming, let's say, from an environment, let's say a unionized environment where no, 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 everything is, you know, by the book. So how do you teach that person to, I'm going to say, change their mindset and grow into that healthy, well, for, lean into that? Yeah, so, yeah. Great question. Um, so part of it comes through the interviewing process, which, you know, I do want okay. to, to talk to you a little bit about recruiting, but. I have our team operating principles. And so when I'm interviewing somebody to come on to the executive team, um, we sit down, we talk very detailed about that. And okay. honestly, if a person comes from a background like that, they're probably not going to fit into my team. And right. I've realized that because I've tried to bring in like going, okay, hey, this is really great experience, but there's these two like things that are kind of missing. I can teach it. And, um, and that's really difficult. So I use our team operating principles because I now mm -hmm. I have it really clearly outlined what I want, wow. um, what's, what's required to be successful on the executive management team at Stone Age. Um, you can talk about those things and really like dig into it, but that doesn't mean that everybody's good at it. Right. So, right. um, so, uh, if there's a conflict, especially with a new team member, I join in and okay. I help model how we work through it. So we just had this happen. Oh. I have a new new team member um, on my executive management team. We had an issue with a new product, and you know they came to me with what it was like. I could see what was going on. He could see he was so nervous, and I said, "Okay, let's just walk through this." So I asked questions. I said, "Hey, you don't have pros and cons here. I need to understand the trade offs. We can't have this conversation until we have the trade offs." They went back to it. We, we, we discussed it. We debated it. I asked his opinion and then he came back and he said, I've never seen conflict modeled like that. Like we wow. came to a really great solution mm -hmm. because of the way the pros and the cons, the trade-offs, listening to everybody, asking opinions. Can you agree with this? If we do this, yes. get on board. And so just trying to model that way. And yeah. then, you know, just keeping following up, following up. But the only way to do it is to do the hard work of getting in yep. there and saying, okay, let's yep. figure this out. Let's figure this yep. out. Yeah. yeah. I just love how you did that because you're really taking role modeling to that next level while you're actually playing out a scenario, essentially. <laughs> it's like, I am there. I'm going to show you. So you watch. Yeah. This is how we do this. That is really exactly. great. And and I build that into um, our onboarding program. So mm -hmm. I would never bring in a new executive and just say, okay, here's your 90 day plan and, yeah. and you're on your own, right? right? I am in those meetings showing him or her how we communicate, showing, nice. him or, showing them how I lead. And I think that that's really an effective way because people do model, they do mirror. And mm -hmm. then I can always point back to say, okay, remember when we had this issue that came up? 
and how yep. we talked through that. Okay. Yeah. You know, practice it that way. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> let's, let's talk about what happened, what we did, what, you know, the decisions that were made now go practice that way. And, yes. um, it takes time, but you know, people mm -hmm. want to handle conflict. Well, they just are never absolutely. Taught. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I bet also that it helps with retention in the sense that it shows that you care, like you, yeah. you are there concretely showing that you care. And then they probably feel heard and they feel like they're growing as well. Like who doesn't want to grow while being at work as well? You know, we want to grow as individuals. That's what yeah. will help with retention. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's been a lot of years of trial and error of not yeah. getting it right, but I feel like, you know, I feel like after making some hiring mistakes, especially at that, yes. um, you, I've, I've, I've gotten a much better process and philosophy around it. So Anyway, the, the team operating principles really help um, because you can have like the the hard conversations like, hey, look, hey, if these things don't resonate with you, if this makes you mm -hmm. uncomfortable and you don't want to do this, this is probably not the right company for you because we're not going to change exactly. anything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it, and it's recognizing, it's not saying you're a bad person. It's saying yeah. you will likely be successful elsewhere because organizations are all different. So just because I'm saying you're not likely to be successful here, has no reflection, is no reflection on you as a person. It's just the skill sets would be a better match over there. Yep. I love it. That's such a positive way to put it. And it's so true, right? Not everybody's going to, not everybody's going to like your culture, fit into that yeah. culture. It's not going to work and that's okay. It's not, it's totally fine. We don't have to force it. Well, exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So talk to me about how you, how you go through, I mean, obviously with the era of, of, uh, of resignation, the great resignation, whatever they're calling it, how are you coaching and leading your clients through this idea of talent recruitment, development and retention? You know, do you have a, a, a secret sauce that you can share with us? <laughs> well, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because it really all starts as you were saying earlier with the recruiting process. Like you have a really great sense of who would be successful at your organization. And so it kind of starts there and then determining what your team really needs and kind of almost like creating that avatar of, of do you need someone exactly pretty much like a clone of somebody you already have? Do you ha need someone who would be a complement to that person? So kind of really getting clear on that. And then through the interviewing process, ensuring that it's infused with the culture of the organization to really um, get that information out and see whether that person would be successful. Because it's like we were saying, it's not about, oh, this person's a bad employee. It's would this person likely go, is, is this person likely going to be successful here? Because we I mean, really, we all want someone to be successful. Hiring is expensive. Like the whole recruiting process, the onboarding process, ramping them up to productivity. If, if they don't work out, if that recruiting process is not tight and they don't work out, it's expensive to have that revolving door. And then we want them to stay. And so do we have something that we can offer that team member that will want, make them want to grow within the organization? Can we help them work? Can we support them? And so those are all ways uh, that can help in attracting the right people and especially retaining the right people. And then that part of retention is, uh, I would say a big part of it is, is the one-on-ones and ensuring that it's not just supporting them 
as uh, professionals in their career, but also supporting them as individuals. Because there are some people that what they do is their entire lives. You would not pay them and they would still do it because they love it so much. And for some people, it's like, well, I need to earn a living. I enjoy doing this. I'm going to do like, I'm going to give my all while I'm at work. But while I'm off, I'd like to do other things. And it's supporting those two individuals where they're at. So that person who's like super career is my life, because, not just because it's career, but that this, what I do is my life. So how do you support that person is very different than the person who's like, yeah, while I'm here, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to be awesome. And I also have some other personal goals. So it's learning to manage those various personality types. And then as we said earlier, also the filters that they bring in, the life experiences that they bring in and learning more about that. It uh, be, Being a, a people-centric leader really requires learning about people and yes. treating them, you know, meeting them where they are and, and really um, supporting them. I agree. And, you know, I, the question I get oft, asked often, um, I give a, a keynote on creating uh, people-centric organizations. And the question I get is, how do you scale this, right? And right. it's such an interesting one because it's, and I said, you're looking at it the wrong way, right? You can't, you cannot scale connection. You just can't because it takes time to mm -hmm. understand each of the individual people who work for you and be yeah. able to modify yourself to give them what they need so that they feel fulfilled and seen and heard and cared for at work. Yes. And so, you know, the way that you have to scale it is you have to, you have to create a training program to train everybody who supervises people, how to do these things, how to build yes. those connections. But it's, it, that's why I think we're in such a mess that we're in where people are so dissatisfied, right? The, the great yes. resignation is really the great disconnection. And it's, it's true. because people either don't care about the relationship because they have to just get their work done or, yes. you know, they think, oh, well, it's just unscalable. So how can I really do it? And yes. we're looking at it the wrong way, right? We should Absolutely. connection. We should build <laughs> connections. And, yes. um, and, and it's a different way to look at it, but it takes time and effort to, to do what you just said, right. To understand that yep. every person on my team needs something different from me as a leader and to be really yep. exceptional at what I do, I have to be able to meet that person where they're at. Yes, absolutely. And you just mentioned disconnection. A part of that as well is helping the team member understand why, what they do matters. So that they don't just feel like, okay, I'm doing this work, but why am I doing it? Like if they understand the, the impact that if they don't do their job, look at what's going to happen. If you don't do this well, see how this, this client doesn't get what they really need and this impasse and kind of showing them that, yeah, you're not just a person here. You're part of a team, part of a whole, yeah. and like you're important. What you do is important. So that's also yeah. a big part of, of creating that connect connection. Totally understand. Yeah. Line of sight. I need to understand how I fit yes. into this. Yeah, yeah. That's how we feel more purposeful at work. I'm, I'm with exactly, you. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. also that, that ripple, having that ripple effect also applies to them. So seeing, showing them how the, their professional work impacts has that ripple effect, but it's also as leaders understanding that ripple effect that we have on them as people yeah. and that the way that they are at work, the way we treat them is going to be carried outside the organization. And if we support them and let's say make them feel good while they're at work, well, they're going to walk away 
feeling good and hopefully maybe, you know, treat their their spouse a little bit better or their child or their whatever, the the stranger next to them or whatever. And it's just carrying that positivity forward. Yeah. I'm so with you. My biggest goal is that people leave Stone Age feeling like they became a better person. Nice. And right. Because nice. it's holistic, right? You don't just separate your yep. work self from your from your Absolutely. personal self. And and I've had spouses of my employees come and say to me, because we do a lot around coaching, we do a lot around understanding triggers and 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 really that whole personal development, not just professional development. And mm-hmm. the best compliment I can get is when a spouse or a partner comes to me and says, Oh, you know, he or she, it's just the it's so much different. Um, it's so much better at home with our family because of the work that they've done here, not the work, work of, of, of their job, the work of the, of self-exploration. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Not just produce a product or service. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I love it. All right. So I have a couple more questions before we wrap up. So um, the name of this podcast is Reflect Forward. What does Reflect Forward mean to you? Yeah. So reflecting forward to me means the reflecting part. So looking back and thinking about everything that's happened. So the good, the bad, the lessons learned, what other people may have shared with us and taking that and applying it to now so that it has impact in the future. So reflecting forward in this moment of of in the now is hopefully learning from history and if things went badly, how to not repeat those. But if we had some great successes, yay, yeah, we definitely want those to repeat. So grab that part of history and repeat that. And so that's how I see reflecting forward. Yeah, that's great. That's a beautiful answer. Thank you. All right. And then finally, what's your best piece of advice that you have for leaders who are looking to become exceptional leaders? I would say don't be afraid of uh I'm going to call it failing, but it's really not, don't be afraid of learning lessons. Like leave the ego at the door, just learn from people, be open to others being, you know, better at something than you and learn from them. Don't feel like I'm a leader. I have to have all the answers. Like, no, learn, keep growing, have that humility piece and just, just be there. That's wonderful. Absolutely agree with you. All right. And how can people find you? Yeah, they can find me on my website at luxentis.com. They can find me on LinkedIn, Jocelyn Moray Nurse. And I'm also on Instagram. So that's where you find Fan- me. Fantastic. I will include all of those in the Thank show you. Well, Jocelyn, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This is such this- a fun conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I learned a ton too. I'm so excited to be taking all the things that you shared as well. So thank you. Oh, well, I'm sure we'll have opportunities to collaborate in the future. So that would uh, be great. Uh, that'll be really exciting. All right. Well, thanks again and hang tight, thank everybody. You. I'll be right back. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, with Jocelyn, please check out her website. I included it in the show notes. Check her out on, on LinkedIn. She's amazing. 
And if you like this podcast, please write a review, like it, subscribe to it, share it. I always appreciate it. It helps with the algorithms. Thanks so much. And I'll see you next week on Advice from a CEO on a Reflect Forward episode. Take care. Bye-bye.